0: I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company, dealing with depression and caring for my children, My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome to the first ever episode of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'll be joined by Michelle from The Peers Project, our producers, and together we'll be diving into the different areas we as women often feel torn between. Oh my goodness, Bryony, I'm so
1: excited to be here today and to learn more about you and, you know, the woman behind Adorn Cosmetics. Oh my goodness, I'm so interested to learn more about your story, how you started Adorn and how you got to where you are today with your babies also. You know, did you always have the dream of kind of starting a cosmetics business? Was that always on the horizon for you?
0: No. I, as a as a child, thought initially that I was going to be a checkout chick. That was my goal. I used to walk up to Richie's, which was near our house, hoping that I'd get a job there at the age of six, uh, much to my mum's uh, horror. And I then eventually thought I might be a vet. So it was definitely not something that I had thought of. But I think being an entrepreneur had always been part of my makeup um I think sometimes there's the entrepreneurs that are born and then there's ones that are possibly made Um, but for me I think I was definitely born that way I think there's a song isn't there it could start breaking out (laughs) I think it might be (laughs) (laughs) Um, so and I think I've probably probably got my dad to thank for that because he's always been into various different ways of making money and and working for himself. So I think that innately that's come from him. But, you know, for me, I didn't really have any of the the coaching from my parents. I think it was just something that I naturally was drawn towards. And, you know, I loved animals. I had a real passion for animals and my backyard was just full of them. My grandfather introduced me to birds, which are now my favourite animal. And so he built me a couple of bird aviaries. And so, that got filled with budgies and quails, and then I introduced guinea pigs, I had fish tanks, and I had mice cages, I had a turtle, I had canaries. You name it, my backyard was full of it, and my mum was just so just she just had to turn a blind eye to it because there was constantly more and more animals getting delivered and and or I was rescuing or something. So for me, I always had that passion for animals. And then I guess, naturally because they all started to breed I had to find homes for them so actually at the same time I had a teacher his name was Mr Kennett I think I might have been in about grade three four and he was a very old teacher at the time he was probably about 60 odd and so he taught us how to do profit and loss I'll never forget it on a blackboard I don't know if anyone listening remembers a blackboard hopefully some of you do. I feel super old. So on a blackboard one day he decided to teach us about profit and loss and that was a really defining moment for me because I remember thinking, "Uh aha, this is why I'm going to school. Like this is what life's about. Like all I need to do is have this or – buy this and turn it into this and then sell it like it was really just an aha moment for me seeing a profit and loss on the board and at the time the school that I went to had a menagerie of animals as well so they had bird avery's chickens and things and I would look after them on the weekend so he used the examples of you know the chickens and then selling the eggs and then having to buy the food for them and obviously then you know looking at the profit around having the chickens etc. So, for me, seeing that, I thought, okay, well, I've got my animals, so this is all I need to do. Like, why am I even at school? I remember thinking that and I'm in primary school. <laughs> so, clearly, I couldn't leave primary school. But for me, it was all about then um, setting up my own profit and loss book, which I've still got today in a very old green uh, green booklet that I've kept. And it was called Briony's Bunny Business. So there was a bit of a marketing flair there with it all rhyming. And... I started then selling any of the budgies that had bred um, and any of the guinea pigs that had babies, etc. But I also realised that the food that I was buying with my pocket money was quite expensive to buy in the shops. And so I found that I could buy it from a local silo in bigger lots. And so I thought, well, if Trill, which is a bird seed brand, if they can sell this for $5 and I can buy a big bag for $5, well, awesome. When I sell the baby birds, I will then sell bags of seed with it. So I made profit out of that. And then... I soon realised that apart from selling some of the animals and their their offspring at local markets and things like that, that some of my friends wanted to have their own animals and they weren't allowed to. So for guinea pigs, for example, um, a few of my friends wanted guinea pigs, couldn't have them. So I thought, well, I'll sell them a guinea pig but they could keep it at my house in one of my cages and then on a Monday morning, I would go and collect rent off them for 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd sell the guinea pig I think for $3.50 at the time and then they could pay the rent on a Monday 50 cents each and then that would entitle them to say one or two visits a week or something like that. It was just like I look at it and think oh my goodness like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know it's if that brilliant. was brilliant. I, don't I know mean it's brilliant or a scam or what <laughs> I was doing but anyway it was quite hilarious so uh, and it worked. So there you go rent a guinea pig it was all good. There you go. So so I think for me that was just a natural natural progression that you know I just yeah I had that aha moment I had somebody that taught me something at a moment in my life that uh just gelled and it worked um so it's all about moments I think in time and and coming across the right people sometimes and for me that was definitely one of those defining moments for me and it was it was something I think that was in me but also something that got drawn out and I was able to pinpoint one of my natural talents and I think that you know making business and and sort of working around ways to cleverly generate business is something that i'm probably naturally good at as well oh i love that story it's <laughs> it's so
1: funny because i i remember the first time when we started chatting yeah. and you told me that and i just i think you didn't think it was that anything special about no. you but it's it's so fundamentally who you are which is so phenomenal to see and i think I guess, to hear. And I think so many of us, we don't think back on, you know, those early days. We just kind of are doing our busy lives, you know, we're dropping the kids off, we're going to our work, we're making it all happen. And it sometimes is just so beneficial to sit back and reflect and think how... Did I even get to this yeah. point? And what were those key things that kind of spurred me to get there?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I, I love that. So, look, I guess I'm curious to know, knowing that you had that entrepreneurial spirit in you at a very young age, heading into kind of, you know, maybe like high school, heading into your first few jobs... What did you did you carry that through with you? Like, what did you do in those early
0: years? Yeah. Look, I think um, you know. I think you reach a point um, where boys or girls might become a, an interest, and yes. so you know, my, my breeding or, or my animal business sort of took a little bit of a, a back burner <laughs> a for a few. Yeah, yeah, for a few for a few years there. But for me there's always been that ability to look at, you know, how I can maximise making money in the time frame that I've got. And, and also, I've been very clever at, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, able to, to do it without it having any detriment to the schooling that I was getting, but I also wanted to earn money. Like, I, I just didn't want to go to school, I had that urge to work. So, you know, I always found ways of either nannying um, or, you know, working alongside what I was doing at school. But yeah, look, there was definitely a few years there where, you know, school and going out and, and all of that was a, a, a priority, like, you know, as we all probably go through. Um, and I think that's important. Like, I think that we need to honour the different moments in our life as well. Like, I don't think we have to be pressured to feel like oh I've got to be an entrepreneur or I've got to be this way or I've got to think this way or I've got to have all this energy and wake up at four in the morning and just you know make the most of every moment and make sure it's successful because I think success ultimately won't come unless you've had some 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 downtime and also some times where maybe you've struggled and I think that it, it makes you more resilient and you are able to pick yourself up a lot easier. So for me, I think that yes, there's been some some highs and some lows and I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of pressure on kids now to think that they've got to come up with the next best idea and, you know, they need to be amazing and, you know, they see all these amazing people and that's great. But ultimately. Not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur and I guess for me as much as, you know, I love sharing my passion and, and helping people be the best versions of themselves that they can be, I think it's also important to know that it's quite okay if you don't want to do any of that as well. So, I think it's nice if you, you know, if, if you're happy being with your kids or if you're happy just, you know, working for somebody else, it's all fine. Like I don't, you know, it's, it's really just about having the right people around you to help Get you to the point of where you're going to be happy and content... ...and that's what's important. I think for me as much as, yes, I had that entrepreneurial spirit... ...and it was always there sort of bubbling away... ...there was definitely times where I felt quite lost... ...I think because back when I was a kid it was very much about going to school... ...going to uni and that's just what you had to do. And, you know, you had to aspire to be something like it with a title... ...and I never felt like really suited what I wanted to do so I do remember crying a lot in high school because I had no idea what I wanted to do like it was painful it was like a pain in my chest that I I I just was so upset that I didn't know what I wanted to do because I, I remember looking at the careers books thinking is this what I have to be one of these things like Know what half of this is, and I don't want to do any of this, but I didn't know what I wanted to do either. Like it was just not understanding what I was good at, I suppose, but also not knowing what there was available. So I think for me, it was really just travelling along and just taking up any opportunity that popped up to get the experience. I did always think to myself, I want a company car by the time I'm 18 or 19. And I remember going for this job with Rent-A-Kill. I don't even know if they're still around. Rent-A-Kill. So, they're a pest um, or sanitary bin service. or they were. And I remember going for that job. I was still at sort of uni at the time. And they said, there's just no way. You're 18 and we're not giving you a company car. So, I waited. And then a year later, they advertised that same job. And I went back. And just because I'd been there before and I suppose I just expected that I'd get the job because why wouldn't I get the sales job with no sales experience and they gave me the job and I ended up doing really well with that so I guess for me I've never really accepted that I can't do something I want to do I sort of find like that's almost like a red flag to a bull to me so if I ever saw a job and I thought well that sounds interesting have no idea what's involved in it I would just quickly research what that job was supposed to be and then make sure I said all the right things in the interview and I'd get the job. (laughs) So, Wish it was always that easy. (laughs) Oh, Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying it's that easy but that's (laughs) how I just thought, well, I'll just have the want and figure out how to do it later and that's how I've really worked my whole life. If I've wanted to do something, you know, strongly enough, I've just dived in and done it and figured it out along the way and just hope to God that I figure it out along the way. So, you know, that's probably the mentality for me that I've always worked with and whether that's the entrepreneurial part of me pushing me to be like that, I don't know, but I've not let not knowing or education prevent me from doing something. I've just thought I'll I'll just deal with it and hopefully figure it out. So, I've had lots of different roles trying to find out where I fit in life and that's been from you know working at Rent-A-Kill so real hardcore sales jobs, door knocking offices, getting turned away like having all sorts of things said to you and and being ignored and all sorts of horrible things. Um, You know I've worked in a solarium, they're illegal now so we don't go to those anymore people but you know I've done that, worked in a gym as a personal trainer, I've done a little bit of modelling on the side, Uh, I worked in the car industry for a really long time um, in sales roles there. And let me tell you, there's nothing I haven't seen or heard in in those roles. Uh, It's a very eye-opening industry to work in, especially back then. I'm sure it's a lot better now. And I've worked in retail, hospitality. I've had so many jobs, I have to say. like it, It got to a point for me where I felt like, oh, you're an absolute loser because you can't stay at a job. I never got sacked, but I just never wanted to stay in any of the roles. I just didn't Feel that I fit. I just, it wasn't right for me. There was always something not quite right. And I guess I also never liked being told how much I was worth. And I didn't like being told the hours I need to work. (laughs) So for me, I felt like if I'm putting in, I should be rewarded as such. And I don't know whether it matters. That I'm working four hours and getting the job done or 10 hours I don't I, so for me that was always a bit of an issue so so lots of different industries and I did have a passion for at that point I guess beauty in the context of I guess when I was modeling it probably came up then that I just found that when the makeup artists were doing my makeup I just didn't love it like I just felt like this is not right, so I do it myself, and then I found it really enjoyable. I love colouring in. I still colour in. I've got my beautiful Derwent set that I've got at home. My kids are not allowed to touch those pencils. They've got theirs, and I've got mine. <laughs> yeah. not stay t- away. Do not touch them. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, that I've always found that really relaxing. That so I guess I've got a. I wouldn't say I'm creative, but I think that the colouring in and that side of things I do have that creative and so I found makeup artistry really relaxing Uh, so I started to study it and I then I started to do it as a side gig I suppose for weddings and and different things Um, and I also had a passion for eyebrows so I really just wanted to attack everybody's eyebrows and just (laughs) make them perfect like I just... (laughs) I had an obsession with them (laughs) Too good. yeah so I set up a little salon at my home and I started waxing eyebrows as a bit of a side gig and obviously doing the makeup as well and I guess that's probably where my beauty journey started and it was just simply an accidental I really enjoy this and I'm going to find out more about it and and most of it I was self-taught and I think I I just think like most creative things you've either got to natural flair for that or you don't I think you can be taught like I'm sure I could be taught taught to paint or draw but I don't think I'd be any good at it you know but from this perspective it just worked for me like I just I didn't need to do any formal training per se I just got it so for me that's how the, the beauty side of things started and I really thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed that side of things I guess at that point too so I had been at uni probably for about well, yeah, probably about a year while I was doing all of bits and pieces of these things. And then obviously I left uni after 12 months because I just felt that it was pointless for me. I felt like a lot of what I was learning, I New naturally, and at that point, I was giving some of my friends a dictaphone, and they were actually recording the sessions, and I was working. (laughs) So, again, I found a way of doing both things. Uh, But then I thought, Look, I think I'm just going to go into the workforce, and that's when I had these various different jobs in the car industry, etc. And then I did get to the point where I thought, You know, I don't, I just don't want to work for someone anymore. I just, I'm so over it. And I was about 25 or six, I think, at the time. One of the things I noticed was the inconsistent service in beauty salons and I had quite a few clients by then for eyebrows in particular and I thought, well, I wonder if based on what my experience is as a customer, if I can just turn a beauty salon into something that's what I would expect. So, you know, something that's clean, like it's really not that hard or a clean salon, Um, you know, I know that, that... Lots changed in since I was 25 or 6 but but it, it's still back then. I just felt that the, the service was inconsistent. There's no regulations in the beauty industry so, um, you know, who am I to talk because I, I don't have technical qualifications either but I guess that's a good and a bad thing because, yes, if you've got the natural flair for it, it's great but if you don't, people are coming to you for a service that might not turn out that well. So I had a chat to my stepfather at the time and said that I really want to buy a salon and I've always been lucky that my stepfather's believed in all of the crazy hair brain ideas I've come up with over over the years and he just didn't think twice about it and lent me some money to buy a salon and so I found one on Bridge Road that was an old nail salon I quickly turned it into a full beauty salon and just we did a little bit of renovation and, and things like that and look it was a hard slog it really was there's there's a lot of beauty salons out there so I do take my hat off to anyone that has a beauty salon because it's extremely competitive and it's it's very hard to 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 make a dollar you know with that particular industry so it taught me a lot really made me very resilient because there was definitely days where I was wondering how I was even going to pay our staff like it was real and you know it was only 20 six like I you know I really didn't have an idea what I was doing but I but I also did as well just naturally so I did get to the point where I thought look I'm not going to do this forever I do love what I'm doing but I don't want to do it forever it's just too much and I can't see that I can grow this any further so I started a membership program with the salon, a bit like a gym membership, which everyone thought I was crazy. But I wanted to be able to sell the business and not have it riding on me. Wanted it to stand on its own two feet. And I th- I knew that I had to prove that the business had a good cash flow. And it's very hard to prove that with a salon because people who buy salons are concerned that once you sell it, the clients are going to be lost. So I set up this membership for customers and anyone that wants to take this idea on board, go for it because it worked. <laughs> it did work. <laughs> <laughs> is that I set up a, a direct debit system so if a customer I knew spent $80 a month, they would be direct debited at $80 a month but they would get their services for 10% cheaper than the $80. So effectively they would be paying, what is that, 70 Two dollars or something like that. So they their services would only cost them seventy-two, and then that eight dollars would accumulate over time. And then they'd either use that to, for another service or product or, or whatever it might be. And most customers I found that they knew that if they were going to spend eighty dollars, they would set their membership at a hundred. It was almost like a bit of a saving thing. So then every few months they could have a facial or something. It was almost like a, a bit of an afterpay situation. But prepaying it. And it worked really well because people didn't have to stress about saving up for their regular treatments. But from my point of view, I knew what my cash flow was every month. I knew on this date, X amount of dollars was coming in. And I was able to sell that to the very first person that looked at the business because they could see that this was generating income. So I did learn early on that with a business in mind, you do need to think about you know the end result like you know you you i guess an ex- some sort of exit strategy like i never had a business plan but i knew in my mind that i had to have some form of exit strategy and i think that it's thinking about how will this business function without you being there and that's what an investor or another business owner is going to look at so so definitely taught me a lot of those a lot of those things Having a salon was extremely interesting, especially on bridge Road, there were some very interesting moments where people mis- mistook what our salon was oh. and we had some very oh. Oh, no <laughs> very <laughs> interesting moments so there was a lot of education that went on in that in that industry but that gives you a brief I guess synopsis of, of where I where I sort of went in my journey through various different industries. Oh
1: my goodness I just I just love hearing this. I think so many of us can get so caught up in our heads around what is it that I should be doing or, you know, whether it's you've got your babies now and you're like, oh, I feel like what I was doing before doesn't make sense to do that now because my lifestyle's changed. I've got different ideas, different passions. And I think what I love about your journey, about you, is just your ability to go in every moment of my life, in every different phase, I'm just going to take it for what it is yeah. and I'm just going to go go and do what I want to do. Yeah, I think so many of us, unfortunately, aren't as courageous or we fear the unknown. Mm. You know, what advice would you give to, you know, all of us out there, other women out there who right. are just struggling? They may see what they want to do, but they're struggling to actually go out and do it.
0: Yeah. And and it's funny, I was talking about this just yesterday with my husband. I Look, I think that I think naturally some of us are a bit more courageous than others and, and I get that and and people do say to me oh but you're this way or you find it easy because of this. Like I have to say I I wasn't always a confident person and you know I, wa- I wouldn't say that I was always what I would see as courageous and then I definitely had moments in my life where I struggled. I mean I think if anything I've had probably more struggles than I have had triumphs but I guess Having those struggles made me think, well, I don't want to feel this crap. Like, I just don't like this feeling. So, I can either sit here and feel like crap and not be doing what I want to do or at least give it a go, find out it doesn't work and still feel crap. But at least I've given it a go. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's. I just sort of got to that point where I thought, well, what's, what's the point of sitting here and never knowing? And I think also... Because I've always been a bit of a control freak where I like to know what's going on, when, how, where, what, for me I had to teach myself to go with the flow because it's it's in my personality to want to know what's happening minute by minute, day by day, what's the end result. Really have had to taught myself you need to just think about right now because thinking about tomorrow is stressing you out so badly and you can't control it so you just need to get back into this moment yes you don't know what you want to do you feel like you don't fit in and I never really felt like I fit in with people I went to school with I I, you know I always felt a bit out of the circle I guess if you'd want to call it that I just felt that I didn't have the same maybe interests or connection like I just felt that that was always something that I struggled with and so my advice I think is that People need to understand that we all fear rejection and we all fear failure. But ultimately, if you're rejected or you fail, what's the worst that's happened? Like it's – I think – and I teach my kids this. I I say to them, like, let's think about the worst case scenario. You don't win the race. Well, you don't win the race. You're not going to die – do you know what I mean? I just, I, I, to me, I look at everything like this. Am I going to die? <laughs> am I going to get sick? Or am I going to hurt someone else? And if I, if I can say no to any of then I just think it's worth giving it a crack. Because the worst thing is just accepting that you failed at it. But it's not even failing. You've given it a go and there's always something to learn from it. Even if you don't win the race. Okay, why didn't you? Do you need to? ...train more? Did you need to practice more? Did you have the wrong shoes on? I don't know. Like just be, it's an opportunity to, to learn from it. And just last night at my, my boy's graduation... ...my husband and I, as I said, were talking about this... ...and I said to him, there's so many people with so many great ideas... ...and there's so many people that want to do amazing, great things. They're not. Because they don't want to be accountable if things go wrong. They don't want to look like they're failing to their peers or their family... And they just fear the judgment and I find that's really sad that they're being stifled by what other people think. Um, and so for me, I've always just thought, well, I'm going to just expect that everyone thinks the worst, that they're all gonna, they all think I'm going to fail at it anyway. And I think being that way has just made me think, well, they're going to think the worst so I'll just do it anyway. I don't know. It's just sw- swapping around what your thought process is. But, again, I always talk about importance and that's really defined by you like you might find something really important and other people don't or or success is defined by everybody differently you know I often meet people and they'll I think sometimes feel a bit intimidated because of what I'm doing and they'll say to me oh I'm just a mum and I'm like you're not just anything you're a mum and that's your choice and if you're happy being home with your children then that's your success you know if you want to work at Richie's like I did at primary school and that you're happy that's good like good on you like it's just about finding and I teach my boys this it's it's just about finding what you want to do is going to get you going for the day like what's going to make you happy at the end of the day and you know putting your head down on your pillow knowing that you've done your best and you're kind and I think the worst thing that we can leave this life with is regrets and that's you can't you can't if you regret something, there's nothing you can do about that. it's it's means you've you've passed up on an opportunity, whether it's to tell someone something, apologize, take an opportunity. like whatever it is, a regret is a really bad thing to stomach. And so I think that that is a worse pain than the pain of someone looking at you like you've failed. And quite often the people that judge us the harshest are the ones that don't do anything themselves anyway. So for me, I just think give things a crack stuff what people think like i just i think you've got to just have that attitude and just do what you want to do and own it own it if you're a mum own that shit like i just think yes. you own that like if you if you want to work at richie's own that like i just think be happy because that's the the thing we all want to be happy and we all want to be loved that's what we're all wanting and you know i think you need it's your duty to yourself to to leave this planet knowing that you've at least had those two feelings Oh,
1: so well said. Oh, my goodness. And I just think it's, it's so important to reiterate those points. I think, you know, it, I guess that idea that we kind of have this one shot, mm. Mm. you know, like might as well just go out and do what we want to do.
0: Yeah. Something I'm
1: curious to know is what has been one of your biggest regrets?
0: I don't know that I have any regrets to be honest, I have to say that maybe in the moment I have been worried I might regret something, but that's usually when you're faced with a decision, you're like, oh, well, if I do this, will I regret that? But in hindsight, I don't have any regrets. Um, I definitely have had some really tough times in my life and I've definitely experienced some not so amazing things um but i don't even know that i regret those things either um i choose to look at them as a way of me becoming who i am um even some of the things that i wasn't in control of that have happened um you know which you shouldn't never have regrets over those things because that's not your that's not your your fault but um Look, I think sometimes, and I guess mums, other mums might be able to relate to this, I think the only regrets I probably have, and I don't even know really that they're regrets, but for me, when I first had my boys, I had the wrong assumption of what motherhood was going to be. I... I think because I had my shit together, like I was very organised... ...you know, I had I had OCD as a kid, something chronic... ...and like whilst that was horrible then... ...it's probably had held me in good stead for being an adult... ...but um, I think for me I just had this assumption... ...that I'm going to have my, my my stuff together... ...the babies are going to, you know, when I'm a mum... ...they're going to wake up this time... ...I'm going to feed them at this time... ...and I'm going to be able to do everything I want to do... ...be fabulous. Holy shit. So I think the regret there for me is that I went into something with rose tinted glasses and I and and like we were just discussing I think that it's all about and I'm not saying to be a pessimist but I do think be a realist and maybe look at what's the worst case scenario and let's just work out if that's what happens then anything's a bonus above that and I think for me I just was too ...oblivious to what I was getting myself into. So then that therefore, with those unrealistic expectations... And, again, right, that's what a lot of people don't do what they're doing because they've got this unrealistic expectation that when they start a business or they start a career, they're just going to be the absolute guru from day one and they're going to be earning all this money and they're going to be, you know, have this amazing title. And, again, it's that unrealistic expectation and then when you don't get it, you fall flat on your face. So it's about, you know, baby steps. And for me, when I realised, wow, I have little humans that don't do what I want them to do when I want them to do it, uh, it was a massive uh, shock for me. And I then, um, I think for various other reasons, I I was quite sick when I was pregnant and so I think that contributed. But my expectations of myself and then not meeting them, uh, I think helped contribute to having really bad depression at the time. So for me, the regret there is that I didn't go into a situation with realistic expectations and it therefore... Uh, prevented me from enjoying what was in front of my face so for me that's something that I'm content with now I know that I I can't help it's the past but that may be my one regret is I didn't get to enjoy my my twin boys as much as I probably could have if I didn't have such unrealistic expectations of myself.
1: How can we let go of expectations that we put on ourselves. I mean, everything you're saying is just so right. You know, I think so many of us go through these moments where we see the glossed version of what we think it's gonna be. For me, it was most definitely business. And you know, all that title and this and that and, and whatever. And then you start doing it and the reality hits you and it slaps you in the face. You know, how can we grow to shed these expectations?
0: Yeah, look, I also think for me, I think I've always had high expectations of myself and I, I did, you know, as a, as a young adult, as a teenager, I always had the expectation that I was going to be a certain type of person and, you know, be in corporate, you know, I, I had this sort of view of what I wanted my life to look like and then as life has it, you do, you hit some bumps and hurdles you you meet some not so fabulous people uh, and you, you have to learn either to be resilient or to be someone who's just an absolute pessimist that just hates on life because you're accumulating every negative thing that's happened to you so for me I think it was really about okay do I want to digest all of this negativity and let it manifest into this ball of I hate the world and I'm going to just hate on everyone else because it's unfair and I've had all these things happen? Or do I look at this as an opportunity to become more resilient and know how to prevent that in the future or how to deal with that in the future? And so for me, having probably someone in my life that is someone who has probably held on I've got someone you know that holds on to negativity and it's turned them into somebody that you know we all start out beautiful people but this person's just gone on a path where they're just turned into a very negative person and it, and it and I think that just it robs you of life and whether you believe in reincarnation or what you you've got this life as this person and for me it's been a really sad thing to see this person disappear into a shell of negativity and just everything's just everyone else's fault and I'm not to blame and I just poor me and it's all of that I just don't want to be like that like I just I want to be able to say yeah I've experienced this but how I've come I've come up on top because of it you know whether it's been bullying whether it's been sexual harassment whether it's been high expectations of myself or whatever the negativity that's been going on I've just really decided to be brutal with myself and I don't know that you can les- necessarily learn this or wake up one day and say I have no expectations it's definitely a learnt behaviour and I think it's definitely that internal dialogue that you continue to have with yourself and I'm not saying I don't have any expectations of myself but it's about being fair to yourself for for goodness sake like you know you can stuff up like you you can you know not every and I think it's accepting not everyone's gonna like you not everyone's gonna like your decisions you know it's it's accepting that and going okay I oh I've accepted that someone's not gonna like me you don't like me all right like that whole rose tinted glasses thing just accept that you know we are all different and we don't all get along and we do have difference of opinion and just accept it and then I think the expectations while you can have them they're not going to rule your life because you just think, right, okay, well, Michelle and I get along on this, but we've disagreed on that or, you know, and just accept it for what it is, accept things for what they are and move on. Okay, this person doesn't fit my life. I'm just going to let that go and move on. Or this job didn't work out. I'm going to move on. Yes, this person was horrible, but I'm going to choose to move on from it. So you can choose to move on or you can or you can choose to, you know, let these, these, these issues that happen in your life take over your life
1: once again oh my goodness so well said i think this stuff is just so important to hear and to and to really internalize and i think you know i mean we were saying earlier you look at someone like yourself and and you go you know Many of us might go, oh, my goodness, but, you know, Bryony's just special. She's just, you know, all it's, that. It's, she just woke up and she this all woke happened. Up correct. And I just boom. clicked my fingers.
0: <laughs> Two minutes. Oh, I wish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Exactly. And so I just, it's so important that we're breaking this down and it's so yeah. great. Oh, amazing. Okay, great. Look, there is so much more to talk about, Rony. I think we've just really scratched the surface with things in this first episode. I'm so excited for the rest of the series and to see, you know, how much more we learn from you and to dive deeper into your life, you know, personal, family, business, Adorn, and just learn more Mm. about how you made it all work. So look, that is, I think, how we'll.
0: Close yeah. to today's episode. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, look, I thank you um, for being part of this journey because something I'm really passionate about is explaining to people that it's nice to have aspirations and it's nice to look to people for inspiration, but They didn't just click their fingers or we'd all be doing it in the morning, wouldn't we? There has been a journey and I love that I've now got this opportunity to talk to people about all of these facets that I've experienced to get to where I am, not just from an experiential point of view, but from an emotional um, point of view and a soulful point of view as well. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beauty Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an Adorner and receive special offers on all things Adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.